This is Weaver's Beyond the Numbers Real Estate Podcast. I'm Rob Nowak, real estate industry tax partner with Weaver. And I'm joined by my always partner and collaborator, Howard Altshuler, Weaver's partner in charge of real estate services. Long weekend ahead of us, Howard is going to be off golfing or engaging in some other sort of shenanigans. Like all other tax people, I'll be right here in the office working on tax returns, Howard, like one of Santa's elves on December 24th. This podcast is intended for informational and obviously entertainment purposes. Nothing said here constitutes professional advice. You have a question, call Weaver for help. You can always go to weaver.com to find our content, white papers, live casts, and more. That's weaver.com. Today's topic, climate change and adaptability. Right. So, you know, we just witnessed a really bad hurricane um, hitting the Gulf Coast um, last weekend and early part of this week um, with remnants that have traveled across the country and are having some impacts on the East Coast. Um, Actually, we were talking to one of our tax partners in New York who told me he's going to his brother's house in Brooklyn to help um, drain a flooded basement um, due to the, the issues going on. And, you know, regardless of your position on climate change and such, it's pretty much given that storms and weather events are getting worse and worse and worse. Um, And, you know, maybe we're in some type of cycle where they'll get better, but maybe they're in a cycle where they're going to continue to get worse. So I see that there's a couple of different ways that people can approach this. Um, There's a lot of people working on um, carbon neutral impacts. A lot of people Mm -hmm. working on trying to slow things down um, from a global warming perspective. Um, But also, you know, we also have to take into account the reality of the situation and say, okay, maybe we can reverse things, maybe we can slow things down, but maybe we're at a point where we have to accept what's happened so far, what's going to continue to happen maybe from weather event standpoint, and become more adaptable to it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're building real estate today that's going to be here in 30, 40, 50, 100 years, Um, and so should we be planning for the fact that there could be more extreme weather events, more, um, shall we say, um, stresses on properties, on real estate, and start to build that into our designing and um, construction. And I think, you know, it's not a political issue. I mean, these weather stresses, I think you just used a good phrase there, these weather stresses, not only put a strain on the assets themselves. So I think certainly there's going to be an eye towards building, um, constructing assets that are more sustainable against wind, against flood, against saltwater erosion, as we saw, you know, with some condo buildings Mm -hmm. um, in the Florida area. Um, But also these changes impact us economically, not only across the U.S., but across the country. I mean, there, excuse me, across the world, there are still some supply chain issues, which believe it or not, are born from the winter storms that we experienced almost six months ago in Texas, yet the winter storms in Texas that we all lived through, mm-hmm. right? Where, where it affected buildings, it affected production and capacity that we still, still still see the effects of. Those are the types of things that we also have to keep an eye towards when we talk about sustainability. Those buildings are sustaining business operations. We have to be mindful of that. Right. And you're also, you know, you're mentioning the you know, the coastal damage, you're mentioning mm-hmm. the, the, the freeze in Texas. Um, let's also not forget the fires that have been occurring every year out, you know, out West and in Canada and in Russia, um, other places that, you know, things like this will um, potentially continue. So who do you see as kind of like at the forefront of this in terms of profession wise? Is this a, a, an architect, a designer, a builder issue? What, what, what do you see from that? Well, I think it's going to be largely a design build issue 
right? That, that those are certainly the engineers are gonna be some of the first folks who will respond to these issues. Um, I think the best way though to incentivize a particular action is always going to be in the form of some economic incentive, you know, whether it be tax credits, deductions, something like that. I would not be surprised if at some point in the near future, we saw a tax deduction or a tax credit around sustainability of real estate. You know, we, we went this way with, you know, as recently with opportunity zones, you can look at rehab credits, affordable housing credits. You can incentivize an entire industry to act by providing real economic incentives in the form of some sort of a tax benefit. Of course, I'm a tax person, so I'm naturally going to think about it that way. But what do you think? Who, what, what industry do you think leads to charge? I mean, I have to agree with you. I mean, first off, I'm going to say there's got to be the economic incentive to do it because, right. you know, even though the property is going to be there for forever, in most cases, unless you're kind of dealing with life companies that have a longer term horizon, you know, no one else on the ownership standpoint or even the lending standpoint or the financing standpoint really has the time horizon that we're looking at for all of this mm -hmm. to play out. Um, so there's got to be a reason to do it. I'm I'm going to have to agree with you. I think this is going to be more of an architectural um, type thing or an engineering type thing. You know, architects are always, you know, they're artists and, and proud right. of it. And so I think they're always going to be looking at what's the new trend, what's going to be happening in the future and looking at it from a standpoint of how can we build that sustainability into the properties, but also make it look really nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering to what extent the, the design build folks and the engineers of the world are also going to be looking with an eye towards, I'll just say the adaptability and adaptive use of an asset from day one. So perhaps it's, you know, when we build a parking structure, we build an office mm -hmm. building or a condo building, we can't only think about the use at that particular point in time, but perhaps what a spectrum of uses of that property might become over the lifetime of it. And perhaps that adds some additional value to that asset if it can naturally be adapted to other use without a significant amount of structural retrofit. Right. Well, you know, it's it's kind of interesting you say that as I was thinking about it, because there's always been the discussion about the, you know, parking garages that can be converted. Yeah. And everybody I walked has you, a, I walked you right into this. Car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I you, kind of walked you. you into it. Yeah. But, but there's some structural issues associated with that from yeah. you know, a load standpoint. Right. Um, we see in Dallas a lot of cases here where companies or they've basically taken old office buildings and turned them mm -hmm. into hotels right. um, or turned them into condos. So that's right. a, a piece of, afford, of um, adaptive reuse. And, you know, we talked about last fall on some of our podcasts about taking, you know, shopping malls and turning that into something mm -hmm. different. Um, but you're right. It's one of those things. It's, you know, if you plan for it ahead of time and you say there may be a changing use to the building, it's, there may be a little bit more price to it, obviously, but it's a lot easier to, plan for that and to make it work than to have to completely retrofit and, and start over. So are, are we in an era now where we just need to plan for, even to plan for the unexpected, for you know the unknown unknowns? Because I don't think anyone would have foreseen the fact that a hurricane that hits the Louisiana coast would cause flooding in a basement in Brooklyn, no more than we thought that you know we'd have a deep freeze of below zero temperatures sustained in Texas for several days at a time. So are we now in that area where we just have to sort of plan for every contingency regardless of geography? Well, you know, I mean, as we talked about a lot during the, the COVID pandemic or that there'd be a, a, a global pandemic. I seem to recall you saying a couple of times, you know, if someone told me it was raining toads right now, I would probably believe it. I'd, um, I'd go out and buy an umbrella in a bucket. Yeah. You know, yes, I think it's something that needs to be thought about. 
And yes, it needs to be something that's considered, but at the same time, we're still ultimately dealing with a risk management matter. Yeah. And so there's the risk, yes, that the um, continued weather events will, will continue and will get worse and worse. There's also a chance that they won't. The question ultimately becomes, where is your risk appetite on that? What yeah. are you building for or designing for now and in the future? And what's the most, you know, we talked about this when we talked about risk management, what's the most cost-effective method or, or plan that you can incorporate that makes the most sense and maybe covers a lot of the scenarios, but just have to recognize that some things you just can't, you're just going to have to leave, leave to, um, to fake. And that's our show for today. As always, you can go to weaver.com to download this episode. You can also find us on Spotify, iTunes, and LinkedIn. We appreciate everybody tuning in every week to listen. Please help the show grow. Like and follow us on LinkedIn. And for more thought leadership podcasts, livecasts, and more, you can always go to weaver.com. That's weaver.com. We'll see you all next week. Thanks.